Days like today need to be a national holiday. It is, you know, I'm going to let my uh, wonderful co-host here, uh, Jake Durant from Local 3 TV, joining me, Tanner Hoops, this, uh, on the sports pen here on ESPN-UP. What's up, Jake? What day is it? It's it's NBA draft day. It's draft day. Hey, I love draft days. As you all know, I'm I'm really a fan of the NFL draft. The NBA draft is a little bit different than the NFL draft. Obviously, uh, with the NFL, you have a seven rounds, a lot more players being being drafted in, in a whole weekend of of picks. Uh, tonight, it's a little bit more. You know, two rounds. When you talk about the second round of the NBA draft, I don't know the value there. It's it's spotty, but and you know you you're not really sure what you're getting there. As with the NFL, you can pre- get a good, some good value in the second round, the third round, the fourth round, um, and then obviously with the with the first round, I think most of the first few picks are set in stone. I don't think we're going to see any surprises. Um, but like we were talking uh, before the air, after the fourth pick, mm. that's when the the excitement might get going. We might see some trades. I'm hoping the Pistons uh, make a few, tra- maybe make a trade into the top ten or or you know something like that because we have two first round picks now. So I'm I'm excited. Um, as, as I mean, if, if you don't know me out there, I'm a huge Detroit Pistons fan. I've been my whole life, and I'm ready to see a turnaround. They're not that great at picking. We all know the Darko Milicic pick. Um, since then, you know, they've been cursed. Um, they, they passed up on Donovan Mitchell the other year. So come on, guys. Let's pull it together. You know, we, they got pick, pick 15. We can get some someone good. I think there's there's a few picks in there that you can make, and I'll go through them that, that potentially could really help this team take that next step. I love drafts, no matter what sport it is. We had the baseball draft a couple of weeks ago. A lot of people don't know it's back-to-back draft days because the NHL draft is tomorrow. And I've got a few guys that I know that are going to be selected in the first round. I'm excited to see where they end up. But I tell you what, we've got NBA tonight. That's where I wanted to start. I wanted to start with the Bucks pistons trade that happened last night because it was a really good trade for both teams. But I can't. I, I just I have to start with the news that broke about 90 minutes ago. And it's an MLB, you know, that, and that's <laughs> MLB coming in and swooping in on the NBA's day, just like the NBA with all that Anthony Davis drama during Super Bowl week. Mm-hmm. Well, now baseball's doing it to basketball, but you wouldn't know if you'd been listening to ESPN Radio because uh, I think we're the first ones to talk about it, you know, really get into it. But if you haven't heard the Tampa Bay Rays, their problems with their ballpark, with their attendance, they have now been given permission by Major League Baseball to explore splitting their season, splitting their home games for the future between Tampa and Montreal. So they're thinking about playing the first half of the season in Tampa and then finishing the rest of that season in Montreal. Tampa Bay's playing good baseball this year. They're 43-31, and 31, yet they have the second lowest attendance in baseball. They have easily the worst ballpark in baseball, and they're thinking this might be the solution. That, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to say this first and foremost – if the name of that team, you combine Tampa Bay and Montreal, the nickname needs to be the X-Rays. E-X-Rays. I like that. If they don't, that is a huge marketing right. gaffe. Yeah. Um, this is very interesting. I don't know if this has ever happened or a team is, is planning prior to a season to be in two different cities. 
Um, it, it's interesting to me. I feel like it would be hard on the players. I think they're going to start mm-hmm. in Tampa and then move to Montreal later in the season. Uh, I don't know what mentally that's going to do to your players. Obviously, you know, like you said, they're playing some good baseball. You you couldn't tell because the attendance is so low. I was looking at some photos of their their home games, and there's lit. It's just it's sad. Um, Imagine like you if said, they the were sta- twelve the, under five hundred. Right, the, the stadium looks terrible. Um, it looks like the roof ha- is like molding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, they they got some issues there. I think they they had planned to possibly make a new stadium. Stadium, but I think they scrapped those plans, and they're, they're thinking about staying in that stadium for another like ten years or so. I don't know if that that stadium's going to last. To, yeah, I, I think twenty 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 seven. I think they're they're signed up for. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Montreal is an interesting other city. I get it. It's in it's in Canada, different country. Um, but I just the Expos moved from there for for reasons probably mm-hmm. attendance to go to to Washington. Why not try different uh, cities here in the U.S.? You know, a little. Cl- I think it's like fifteen thousand or. 1,500 miles away from Tampa to, to Montreal. Why not go to places like maybe Las Vegas, Nashville, Tennessee, you know, uh, uh, cities like this um, in the U.S. That, that might, you know, where fans are hungry for the sport, I, I guess you could say. Um, just Montreal, I don't know. It just It's just a weird mix. I actually like the old Expos teams. I know they're a financial disaster with as bad as the Canadian dollar was back in the mid-2000s, what have you. So I, I get what you're saying is I don't know why they would think that they can make things better by taking a city where baseball struggled and mixing it with a different city where baseball struggled, but something did have to be done. I think this is going to be toughest on fans. Uh, and certainly for selling season tickets, because who's going to buy season tickets at full price when you're only going to get to see 40-something games if you're splitting home games? Mm-hmm. Now, the good thing is the Expos, which actually ended up becoming the Nationals, not anything to do with the current franchise, uh, they have a little experience doing this. It's not unprecedented. It's just kind of the way they're doing it right now. It's unprecedented. Back in 03, I think it was, the Expos played 22 home games in Puerto Rico. And then way back in the 70s, the old NBA, uh, they had Kansas City and Omaha splitting home games. So it's not unprecedented. It's just never really been successful mm-hmm. when they've done it before. Right. Yeah, I don't know uh, if they they plan on, you know, maybe small sample size will attract attract fans out to see you know you only have so many opportunities to see this team play come mm-hmm. on out and buy some tickets but like you said yeah it'd be hard to sell some tickets i know fans like to like take possession of their teams of their city's teams i don't want to share my team with another city <laughs> this is my team you know so i don't I think don't, race fans care i don't think they have fans. that's true i mean there's there's <laughs> Well, they say like fourteen thousand people or something. Yeah, you know. Imagine if they were twelve under five hundred instead of twelve over right now. I'm always like, I'm always. It's always. It's not funny to me, but I'm always like in really focused on when when teams are struggling and there's mm-hmm. just no fans in the seats. When I see like televised <laughs> games, I'm just like, wow, there's really no fans in the seats. It's just interesting to me because I'm always wondering like why. Like if you're in that city, tickets have to be dirt cheap. Why not just go and sit and watch watch the game? I just don't get it. Have I ever told you back in 2016 when the Twins lost 103 games? I was in Minneapolis. It was like the sixth-to-last game of the year. It was late September. They already had 95 losses or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Somewhere in that neighborhood. They were rained out the night before. I was there for something going on at the stadium in the afternoon, and they decided to make up that game in the afternoon and play a doubleheader. Well, it was a Thursday afternoon, a work day, for a team that was going to lose 100 games, and... It had been rained out the night before. There was less than 100 people there, and I was one of them. I took that in, and it was 
just unlike anything I think I've ever seen, but I'm not kidding when I say there were less than 100 people there. Were you like sitting in a seat and didn't have people like within 100 yes. yards from you? Yes. That's, Anything that's that pretty relaxing. Away, it was actually really relaxing. Yeah. It was a weird atmosphere. It was dead quiet. Uh, they were playing the Tigers that day, and they were having a pretty good year, so I'm sure they lost. They lost a lot that year. That's what I mean. I mean, like, like I said, if I was in a city with a professional sports team that wasn't good and fans weren't going to see, I would still just, you know, the lower ticket prices, I'd go check out the teams that they're playing. You know, the, the, the teams that, you know, you can go see star players. They'll probably have pretty good games against your home team because your team's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like I said, like, when Miami, you know, that no one really showed up in Miami because, let's be honest, there's better things to do in Miami. But um, I'd still, you know, I'd still be interested to just go and, and watch the games. I just don't get it. Or even when Detroit opened up Little Caesars, the, you know, the attendance was, was bad for the Pistons games and stuff like that. But I just don't see why you wouldn't go, go to these games. It's crazy. And it's weird that they're doing this internationally. They're trying to get two cities internationally to share. I know they did that with the Expos uh, 16 years ago. Uh, but as bad as the Canadian dollar was, and I guess it's not a whole heck of a lot better, uh, you know. But still, it's it's weird that you would try to take a struggling franchise to a place where baseball has already failed. I, maybe there's merit to that. I don't know. I'm excited to see you know kind of how this plays out. I think it's going to be really fun, no matter what. It's going to be fun to see how this experiment works out. I don't think it's something that's going to last, and eventually. Neither city probably will have baseball, but to a lesser extent, I should say there is precedent with this because aren't the Packers doing this right now where uh, two of their eight home games are actually uh, the season tickets uh, Milwaukee residents have priority? Isn't that what's going on right now? Yeah, yeah, they they call them Milwaukee games, Yeah, Um, and it's really hard to get tickets. I get tickets through my my work, and those games are always off limits, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's something like similar to that, but... Um, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. They obviously the, the the Rays management obviously knows something, and they have a plan, I guess, in place. You would think they're not just going to do this blindly. Um, they have to have some sort of, you know, information that backs that this is a good idea. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Like you said, it it'll be interesting that first time they actually make the switch. Um, you know, because there's probably going to be buzz in the city, but then after a while, you know, it's going to die right off. I would I would think. I'm ready to see them move out of the drop. I hate Tropicana Field. I just do. I'm ready to see it gone. I've never been. Um, oh, neither have I, but it, I hate it. I, <laughs> the photos, like I said, the photos, it looked really bad. It, like the Superior Dome in Marquette looked, looked in better shape. So I have never seen a place that has more ground rules that you know have a negatively or adversely affected a baseball game. I can't tell you how many times I've seen Miguel Sano drill one right into the catwalk. It would have been... Would have been a round tripper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it definitely affects games, um, and it's definitely unique when when opposing teams go into that stadium. Just like every stadium is unique in their own way, but um, you know, when you have teams dreading to play there, and, and even you don't want to play there, mm-hmm. something's got to be done. Um, it's a professional team, professional franchise. You you want to keep pace with all the other teams in the league. So I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. We uh, are on draft day. We're going to be at least when we come back. We're going to talk about the ML. Excuse me. <laughs> we spent too much time on the MLB, haven't we? We're just doing a bang-up job here late in the week, aren't we, Jake? Yeah. Uh, we're already focused on the NBA draft tonight, which, by the way, you can hear this evening on ESPN-UP. Our coverage begins at 7. When we come back, we'll break down last night's Bucks and Pistons trade. It was a win for both sides, plus the hype of the potential number one overall pick. Absolutely unmatched, and that is next in the Sports Pen and ESPN-UP. 
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along here on this Thursday afternoon. It is draft day, and once again, you can hear live coverage of both rounds of the NBA draft this evening right here on ESPN-UP. You think other sports look at the NBA draft like baseball, how they go 40 rounds in like three days, and they think, oh, that's cute. That's a cute little two-round event that you got there. I do, but, I mean, if you're a player in this draft, and you're it, it, it's very hard to make an NBA roster, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. With so many basketball players, so much talent. So for these players who get drafted in only two rounds, you know, with, with how many people play basketball in the world, it's a huge accomplishment. But, yeah, obviously it's it's definitely a small sample. It's, it's kind of you know, focused into those two rounds, small sample size, goes pretty quickly. But, I mean, it's still entertaining. It's a fun night. Yeah. People actually care about the NBA draft and like baseball. I care about baseball, but I, I think can't speak base- for the populace. Yeah, it's with base- baseball because, you know, you're you're guaranteed to see these players play next right. season. You know what I mean? With baseball, there's so many other things that go along with it that you might not even see the player for years. So mm-hmm. um, people don't want to pay attention. We have short attention spans these days. No one's going to be following these players through through the lower leagues and working their way. At least, you know, you know just normal – fans not diehard fans like like myself i'm just a normal baseball fan i don't really dive too deep into stuff like that well i tell you what your team and our other listenership's favorite team the milwaukee bucks engaged in a trade last night the bucks sent john lure to milwaukee in exchange for tony snell and the 30th overall pick it's a good move for both teams detroit they get a guy like Snell who can fill a need on the wing where Detroit really has been lacking. Snell wasn't going to see the light of day in Milwaukee, and he's a guy who can give you some minutes. He can give you a little wing dump, so they move him to a place where he's going to be able to actually see the floor. Plus, they get another first-round pick, albeit a late first-round pick, as late as you can get, yet you never know. For Milwaukee, they get John Luer, plus they free up about $4 million in cap space, which is probably going to get uh, used on Chris Middleton, who opted out of the last year of his contract yesterday. He wants a long-term deal with Milwaukee, so you know the good news is he's likely staying. Uh, they did say the same thing about Al Horford with the Celtics, however. They wanted a long-term deal, but I'm thinking Middleton and the Bucks are going to get something done. So the cap space money that they freed up is probably going to go to re-sign Middleton. They're going to bring back Lopez, you would think, as you know, the 1B uh, to Chris Middleton's 1A. But really, Milwaukee's got everything they need to compete. They had a good enough team to win the title this year. A couple of bounces go differently. They take that game three that went to overtime against Toronto, and they're probably the NBA champions right now. They've got everything they need in place. Priority 1A is going to be re-signing Middleton. 1B is Lopez. They don't need to go out. They don't even need to nail this draft tonight. They are going in with zero pressure. All they need to do is re-sign Middleton and then Lopez to follow. Right. I mean, the way too early you know, championship prediction has somehow has the Lakers going number one in the, as, as the number one team who, who has a shot at winning the championship next season. And then you have Milwaukee right behind them. I mean, they, if they just stand pat, you know, retain all the pieces that they had, they were right there, like you said. You know, just something just happened. I don't know if it was just inexperience or, or you know, just a bad matchup for them with Toronto. You know, obviously um, they were knocked out um, by Toronto. But, yeah, I, I mean, Chris Middleton, he's good. Mm-hmm. He's good. He's good. He was an all-star. But a max player? Would I pay him that much money? I don't know. Obviously they need to do it. I would if I was Milwaukee in this situation. In this situation. You need him. You, you need him. You need him. You're right. But then you when Brogdon right wants there, a max contract... 
I'm not saying Brogdon. Like, he's going to want it, and I don't think the Bucks are going to give it to him. That would be no. That would, yeah. that would not be smart. For when the Bucks. that's why they need to take advantage of this window while they have. That's it. what I mean. Because they're I not going to be able to pay spe- all these guys in the coming years. Exactly. It's a certain situation where yeah, they need to keep Middleton because he fits exactly what they're trying to do, and and like you said, they're right there. If they weren't as close as they are, mm-hmm. Chris Middleton's good. Yeah, but he's not max money good in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Two hundred million dollars, whatever, or one hundred fifty million dollars. No. I mean, he's an all-star, yeah, but I don't know, man. There's something about him. Anyways, they're going to keep him. They'll sign him back, and like you said, um, they're they're right there. That's all they need to do. They can um, obviously they got rid of their first round pick. They they know that really who, what's that pick going to really do for them? Not really much. Um, so, like you said, they're going to retain everybody and just give it another swing. Really, um, Detroit's in a little bit of a different position. They're they're a middle of the road team that needs to figure some uh, some stuff out. Um, I think the trade definitely helps them. Now they have three picks in the top 45. Will they package that in the draft tonight? Yeah. I'm crossing my fingers. Maybe they jump into the top 10. Maybe they, they trade with Atlanta has two picks, eight and 10. Maybe they you know, get that 10th pick from Atlanta. Maybe they can get a, a, a player that can help them a little bit more early on in his career. Um, but at 15, you can still get a couple guys, man, that's still, uh, you know, people have been drafted later who have made a huge difference. So, um, like you said, they got Tony Snell from Milwaukee. Um, he's 6'7", has a 7-foot wingspan, can score the ball. Um, that's that's some depth on the wing because I've always said they need they need wing help. You know, with, with Griffin and Drummond and, and whoever else down there, I think their front court's still pretty decent. But they just need guys that can score, man. They need guys that can take the ball. They need one-on-one score. I know you don't win with one-on-one one play, but they do need a guy that can create his own shot and score. Luke Kennard's good, but is he one of those guys? Is he? He's like a poor man's Manu, you know? A little bit. A little bit, and he can shoot, but do I trust him on a consistent basis to be able to score the ball? I don't know. Um, Detroit's plan is to, to to build around the big three of Drummond, Griffin, and Jackson, and when I mean, I hear big two. I'm not really a fan of Reggie Jackson. I don't know if he'll he'll be there, but um, it's just gonna be interesting. I mean, I mean, it just gives the Pistons a little bit more flexibility. Um, you know, get gives them another opportunity to get a first round pick, and and it just kind of opens up the door for you know possible trade in the draft. So I'm excited for it. I'm definitely more excited about the draft now than I was yesterday at this time. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Hey, you got Zion, who is gonna be the number one overall pick. There's not even a question. There has been nobody that I can remember that has been as hyped as this guy was. The only guy that comes to mind, the only number one overall pick that even comes close in comparisons to hype before he's even played an NBA game is John Wall. You think back in like 2010, 2011, that was the highlight of every middle school dance is when they play that Troop 41 song. And, you know, John Wall's had a pretty good NBA career, maybe not met to the expectations that were put on him. And yet his expectations don't even come close to what they have for Zion. Yeah, I mean LeBron James, Magic Johnson, another name, um, John Wall. Yeah, I mean he's, before my time. Yeah, I'm a little bit older. Um, but yeah, so I mean he does definitely does have a lot a lot of hype around him. I mean we haven't seen a guy like Zion come into the league like this. Um, you know, with, with the how much he weighs, you know, the way he plays, he's he's just big, fast, the way he can jump. Um, you know, going to New Orleans, I think it's it's going to be a really good fit. Obviously, you're going to have Lonzo down there just tossing up the lobs because he really can't do anything else. He he can play decent defense and lob the ball up. That's about all he can do. He doesn't really have a great shot. 
Never was a fan of Lonzo, but I mean, if you can toss it up to Lonzo, you get all you got to do is get it within a ten foot radius, and he'll come <laughs> down with it. So I think that's going to be a pick. I'm more interested to see what what they do at number at number four. Oh. I mean, they got some, they got a lot of options they can trade out. Um, they can pick up, you know, another young piece to help that that young core. Um, you know, maybe they they try to do a front court guy, and I know a lot of mock drafts have him taking um, DeAndre Hunter from uh, mm-hmm. Virginia, who's a, a pretty skilled big man. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, but yeah, you know, Memphis, they're going to take John Morant. Looks like the Knicks, hopefully they go ahead and take RJ Barrett. Who knows? They might mess it up. They might do the um, most Knicks thing they, ever. They could take Darius Garland, who's mm-hmm. a, uh, out of Vanderbilt, a guard that, um, I think he was injured, but yeah. you know, he showed, Helmed, but yeah, he only played five games yeah, this year. Yeah, but he, sh- he showed, he showed some, some potential. So it wouldn't surprise me if they just take Darius Garland. Um, and then who knows? Maybe New Orleans ends up with with RJ Barrett and you believe it? Zion Williams. That'd be that'd be epic. Well, and how good would that be for RJ's career? I do like RJ, and I think he will translate to the NBA. But it goes back to Zion and how box office he is. People, Zion's probably going to be one of those guys that is going to be attractive to other players. He's a guy who can build around, and people are going to want to come play with him. If RJ goes number three overall to New York. Is he going to be one of those guys that attracts free agents? That That's what I'm looking for in the long term. Is he that building block that people are going to want to come play with? Mm-hmm. I mean, coming into the year, a lot of people had uh, R.J. Barrett as as the top you know, projected NBA pick um, prior to, obviously, Zion bursting onto the scene. He's he's a point guard, man. He's super athletic. You know, He's a hyper-athletic point guard. I actually watched a handful of the NBA draft prospects on uh, Jimmy Fallon the other night, mm. and uh, R.J. Barrett was standing next to uh, you know Darius Garland and, and guys like that. And, I mean, R.J. Barrett's a huge guy. Like, his, he's physically ready to play in the NBA. Mm. You know, he's a slasher. He just he just looked like a man amongst boys against a lot of these up other top draft picks. Um, so obviously physically gifted as well. I think he would. I think he would be able to sell some tickets. You know, he he's he has that type of game. He, he's you know very emotional type of player. Um, but yeah, just I want to see him not alongside Zion to see what he can really really do. Um, I think he'd be have a have a pretty good fit there in New York. Well, it's a wonder to think what he could have been, or at least how box office he could be, if most of the highlights did not include Zion. You know, if it was him, if it was his team, uh, Duke last season, that's something that we'll maybe never know. But I'm excited to see what he would look like with his own team and his own squad. You look at him and John ja Morant. And there's a possibility that those two picks could be flipped, and RJ goes second, Ja goes third. Does the fact that Ja played in the OVC with Murray State, that he played against a lot less skilled competition than RJ did in the ACC, does that worry you at all? Because I I think they're both going to translate to the NBA. I really do. But if I'm a GM, I've seen what RJ's been able to do, pretty comparable to Ja Morant, against better competition throughout the year. Now, Ja Morant had a really good tournament where he played some uh, quality major schools like Marquette and Florida State, but RJ was able to do that over the course of the year. To me, he seems like the more sure pick. Yeah, um and and it it does worry me a little bit. I'm I'm more of a fan of taking the guys from those bigger schools, you know, who who felt the pressure on them um at it, you know, early on, you know, when you're playing for a Duke, for a UNC and you're producing at at that school with with a lot of great competition obviously you're playing in bigger conferences and you're just used to kind of the, the pressure that comes along with playing it with under the spotlight 
And you know, I'm always a, a more of a bigger fan of taking guys from from those bigger schools in any sport, just because you know I, I'd rather take a guy from Alabama who's been through the ringer, who's been in huge games. You know, every game they have the biggest target on their backs, and their their backs are against the wall, even though they're dominating opponents. Um, but they're doing what they have to do, and it's more of like a professional atmosphere. Um, John Morant. Never really knew much about John Morant until he obviously he broke into the scene this year. But against Marquette, when he was just, you know, he came in, there was so much hype. Uh, he never really rushed anything. You were sitting there waiting for those, you know, him to jump over guys and, and try to really make a statement. And you, you wondered if he was going to try to do too much too early. But I was really impressed with how he kind of played at his own pace, kind of let the game kind of dictate how he played. Um, and, he, and he wasn't, he was or he was willing to just let his his teammates shine and and showing his passing ability um you know he has all the tools obviously he's super athletic as well you know he has like john wall athleticism um coming into the league and but yeah he did play against uh some questionable competition but um, he can't really help it he did what he had to do and he was dominant and um i think he's like you said i think he's going to translate well as well about a different trade that was made yesterday, another blockbuster. Mike Connolly goes to Utah in exchange for Grayson Allen, Kyle Korver, and Jay Crowder. Utah trying to build around Conley, Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, Utah is one of those teams in the West. I think I kind of grouped them in with a team like the Denver Nuggets. Um, you know, they're knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. You know, they're maybe just a little bit of experience. I think it's a good pickup for for uh, Utah with Mike Conley, obviously a vet point guard. Um, I think Rubio is probably not going to be there for too much longer. No. Um, but obviously that clears way for uh, John Morant to come in w- with the Grizzlies. Didn't they get some picks as well or – was I reading into it? Uh, I believe they got one at least feature first round pick too. Wait, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so they got you know they they obviously got got set up for a little bit for the future as well. Um, but yeah, I mean it's going to open up some cap space for Man- Memphis. I think Conley's on some ridiculous deal. Mm-hmm. At one time, he was the highest paid player in the NBA for a little while. Um, okay, and uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think it's a good that's a, that's a good deal for both. You know, each team is in a different situation. Obviously, some teams are in win now mode. Some teams are kind of in that rebuilding mode, and and kind of just like the Bucks Pistons trade, I think it works well for both teams, and I think it, it it's going to be a good trade down the line for both teams. Beyond the top three, you know, they're pretty obvious where they're going and in what order, but. We're going to break down some of the players specifically, individually, and see where some of these guys could land, guys four through maybe even 60 at the end of the night. But first, your stat of the day. Everyone say a few prayers for the poor soul who's drafted eighth overall tonight. In the last 25 seasons, a grand total of zero players who have been taken eighth in the NBA draft have made an all-star game. Wow, yeah. that's not good because my favorite player in this draft is projected to go eight to Atlanta Uh-oh. in the draft, and that would be Cam Reddish, the oh, third, no. the third star that was on that Duke team. Um, a lot of questions with Cam's aggressiveness, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. But could you blame the guy? I mean, you got Zion Williamson, you got R.J. Barrett. You know, he did what he had to do. Um, he picked and chose his spots. I think obviously he'll play a little bit different um, in the in the NBA, but. From what I was reading, a lot of players who were asked, who played, who had experience playing with all three of these guys, whether it be AAU or or what have you, they said Cam Reddish was the toughest matchup that, or the toughest player they've played against. Mm. Um, out of all three of those guys, at points, you know, he showed that that type of flash. Lengthier guy has a a beautiful shot. Very beautiful shot. Um, he he compares his game to a Kevin Durant, but he he's a taller guy. 
Um, and I, I don't know, man. There's just something about him. I, I really like Cam Reddish. If somehow Detroit could wiggle their way in and get a guy like that, I'd be pretty good. But if he goes number eight, uh, it's over. His he's going over. number eight to the Hawks, and he's never going to make an all-star. His career's over. It's, it's, that's, <laughs> up. That's, that's terrible. Coming up, we are going to go through the draft picks one by one. Who is going to be that late first-round sleeper? That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along as we inch closer to the 7 o'clock hour. That is when you can hear live coverage of the NBA draft here on ESPN UP as well as with our app. First, though, your Sports Center update. Former Northern Michigan hockey player Jim Hiller has joined the New York Islanders as an assistant coach. Hiller played with the Cats in their 1991 national championship team. He put up 205 career points in 123 games now on Barry Trotz staff. Trotz, of course, winning the Jack Adams Coach of the Year Award last night. Toronto Maple Leafs forward Austin Matthews has been named the cover athlete for the upcoming video game NHL 20. And finally... Jeopardy James Holzhauer, whose streak of 32 consecutive wins on the show Jeopardy recently ended, has donated a portion of his winnings to the Chicago Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Walk, and he made the donation in Alex Trebek's name. Really cool move by Jeopardy James. There was a lot of debate. There's a lot going on about what I could have done between uh, uh, that story, a few others from my Sports Center update. I decided to end it with that one. I could have gone with breaking news uh, just a couple of minutes ago. KFC has announced that they will debut the Cheetos Chicken Sandwich at restaurants on July 1st. I see they're trying to pull a card out of Taco Bell with the Doritos. I see the look on your face. I, I was skeptical too, but hey, look, doesn't this look good? It, it, it looks better it than looks, it sounds. It looks all right. Yeah. I, you know, KFC hit it out of the ballpark with the chicken and waffles mm. thing. I don't know if anyone out, out there has, you know, I don't eat KFC that often, but I'm a fan of chicken and waffles. I like the sweet and I like the savory. Mm. And they just nailed that. I went there and I was so impressed I had to go back to get it a second time. I don't know if it's a permanent item, um, but it, it's really good. That looks all right. Mm. I mean, it, it looks it, – would I try it? Oh, I'd try it. I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely probably, I'd probably try give it, it a try. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the time people like to put chips on their sandwiches anyways. I'm one of those people. I just, oh, yeah? I just okay. like, to, like to add the little crunch to it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if, those people will probably enjoy that one. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along. A few other things to keep an eye on. The Women's World Cup, the U.S. wrapping up group play, and we're leading Sweden 2-0. 75 minutes into that game. I hate how they count up. Just count down like every other sport. Didn't we 15, talk about that, we talk about that one day? Yes. About why? Just why? 15 minutes left plus whatever imaginary time they're going to add on toward the end. So the U.S. up 2 nothing on I, I, I'll be doing highlights on Local 3, like soccer highlights. There and you I, go. And I, I can't even make start keeping track of what time. <laughs> like it's somewhere. It's like the 36th minute, I think. Mm. Something like that. I think that means 36 minutes into the game. I'm not really sure. But anyways, the USA scored. So uh, I tell you what, that is uh, going on right now. College World Series, just one game tonight. That's at 8 o'clock. Louisville against Mississippi State. It is an elimination game. Michigan and Vanderbilt, both one win away from playing for a championship. Neither of them have a loss. Whoever is still left would have to beat both of them twice. You know, I've I've been really, really quiet about talking about the Michigan baseball team because I really haven't paid too much attention to the team throughout the season, and normally when that happens, especially when you talk about any team from Michigan, um, every time I start paying attention, it goes downhill really fast. So I'm really just trying to keep myself far away from it. I'm going to let them do their thing um, and let them continue this run. 
So hopefully they can keep it up. But very impressive run there by, by U of M. Go Blue, baby, forever. And yes. Well, I tell you what, uh, the NBA draft once again coming up here in just a couple of hours, hour, two hours and a half, we should say. If I'm the general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans, if I'm David Griffin, then I'm, of course, going to take Zion number one overall. Uh, number two, if you're that uh, general manager over in Memphis, then you're probably going to take John Morant. Three, I'm going to take RJ. If you're picking at four, are you picking Darius Garland? Are you picking DeAndre Hunter, Jarrett Culver? Who should be the fourth overall pick? You know, the Pelicans now, they have a lot of young players. Obviously, they got Lonzo there at the point guard. So picking Darius Garland, it's almost like, do you, do you think Darius Garland is going to be better than Lonzo? I do. Mm, yeah. I, I, I think so. And, and it's only, I, I barely have seen this guy play, but the, the highlights I have seen, it, it looks like he has all the tools. You know, he can, he can pull up and shoot. He can, he, he can pass the ball. He can run the fast break. He has a nice hesitation. He's a very savvy player. Um, obviously, he was hurt a lot this season, but he's 6'2", 175 pounds. Played at Vanderbilt, eh, you know. But um, he, he was productive, 16.2 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, 2.5 assists. Shot almost 50% from the three in the games he did play. So um, would it make sense for them to draft with Lonzo there? You know, you got, you got Josh Hart there. Probably not, but I think he is the next best player. So in my eyes, I would go Darius Garland, mm-hmm. but they could – Obviously, they're getting Zion. Maybe they could add some depth to that front court, so maybe Hunter would make a little bit more sense. And they're losing Julius Randle. Is the other exactly, thing. so they need to fill that spot. So if you're going for a position of need, obviously you go with Hunter, but if you're just going with a player with the potential and star capability, which I think Darius Garland ha- has, I can even see maybe the Knicks picking up Garland instead of R.J. Barrett. Well, then, I don't You know, maybe if you're, if you're, if you're the Pelicans or, or if you're the Knicks, why not trade back one and maybe pick up something and let mm-hmm. the Pelicans draft RJ and match them? And sure. if you're in love with Darius Garland, you could do that too. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll see that. I don't trust the Knicks front office enough to be able to do that, but it, it makes sense. <laughs> it it, makes it sense. does. Watch them take some just some <laughs> off the wall player. Goga. I mean, they hit on Kristoff. Porzingis. That yeah, was they did. You know, obviously it didn't work out, but now he's not even there anymore. Yeah, I mean, but that's the, what happens in New York. And now they were supposed to get all these free agents, and now for some reason all these free agents are now looking at Brooklyn, which uh-huh. I don't blame. Brooklyn's an up and coming team, whatever. But we're we're probably going to see the Knicks fail in the draft and them get no top notch free agents. That's probably what's going to happen. I tell you what, if you're prioritizing drafting a guard early on, and all that's left for you on the board, you know, at least the top two, I should say, would be. Darius Garland and Jared Culver. Do you prioritize Garland over Culver? I do. Yeah, I do. I wasn't really uh, Jared. Col- I mean, Culver has a lot of potential. Obviously, yeah. a younger player. You know, he he's a big guy. Um, you know, and and he, sh- he defensively, he's a good. He's a lockdown. Oh defender. yeah, best defender on um, the best defensive team. Eighteen point five points per game. Six point four rebounds. Three point seven assists. Thirty. Point four percent, but I think he was he shrunk a little bit in the NCAA tournament. He struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if it was his aggressiveness. You know, not really being very aggressive. Um, but I don't know, man. If you need a defender, yeah, he's he's there defensively. But I think mentally, he still has to mature a little bit. Um, but I mean, he's six seven. You know, he has all the tools, but do I trust him? I don't know. You know, I could see Jarrett Culver going going right after maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, within that. 5 to 10 range for sure. He is one of those guys that he's got a lot of potential. If he can string it together, he's got to learn how to shoot better. He shot like 19% from behind the arc in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's, the biggest, that's the not biggest time. I mean, he shot a lot better overall in the season, but mm-hmm. when it really counted, 
He shrunk a little bit. That's Otherwise, you're just going to get a shorter, watered-down version of Ben Simmons. Ugh. Taking him, like, fifth overall or something uh, like that. Uh, shoot, how about the, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guard coming out of Carolina. Colby. Kobe White? Kobe White. I like Kobe it. White. I think Kobe, um, I, I could see Kobe White going to a, a place like the Chicago Bulls. Um, this guy, I was really impressed. It's not just his hair. Mm-hmm. You know, he has some nice hair, but, you know, I was really impressed. You know, average four assists uh, per game. He's a six-five point guard, you know, so he has a size, average about 16 points per game. Rebounded the ball, too. You know, he, he can do it overall. Uh, shot about mid-30s from the three. Um, obviously, he went to UNC, faced a lot of pressure playing point there at UNC. Obviously, that's a big, big-time school. Uh, played against a lot of great competition. Played well against the teams like Duke and stuff like that, um, where you're you're going up against an R.J. Barrett and, and things. Um, I really like Kobe White. I think he's athletic. I think he has some savviness to him, and I, I think he's he's just one of those can't miss guys. I think he'll produce right away. Someone brought it up on the Stephen A. Smith show. If you're really in love with him, you probably take him. But would you dare consider taking him at number four overall? At number four. What is the highest you would take Kobe White? I I I think Garland's a better player, yeah. so I don't think you take him at four, but I, like anywhere from five to ten, I'd take him six. You know, you could take at at highest six. I'd go six, six. I could see six. You know, I would I would cap it out at five if you're really really mm-hmm. in love with him, and you really you know you've done your homework and you just you just believe in that he'll reach that potential. I, I don't I don't think if he went five, people would be like, oh my goodness, no. it wouldn't be like a shocker. If he went four, it probably would. That's a little bit pushing it, yeah. especially when you have, you know, like I said, like a Garland on the board who, who's really hyped right now. The biggest mystery box for me in this draft is Bull Bull, the big man coming out of Oregon. Seven foot two, but he's real thin. He's barely 210 pounds. He's got all kinds of talent and athleticism, but missed most of last season due to injury. I tell you what, he may be among uh, the top three as far as talent goes in this draft. He may be. I still wouldn't take him any higher than 15th, and that is pushing it for me because he is coming off an injury that is really hard to come back from, and I just flat out don't think you're going to be able to keep him out on the floor. I think his talent will translate to the NBA. I think he'll be able to do fine. He'll make a little career of it. If he's on the floor. If he's on the floor, but that's the thing. He's coming back from a major injury. I don't. You can't tell me he's going to play an 82-game schedule and stay healthy doing so. Yeah, what what was the injury? Was it a, a foot? Foot. A foot injury, yeah. Foot injuries scare me with, with big men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and especially, like you said, if, if you guys haven't seen just his physic, physical self, um, like on TV or anything, he's really tall. Mm-hmm. He's really skinny. And when you're banging up against big guys in the NBA night after night, sometimes, you know, not, you know, consecutive nights it's going to wear and tear on you and and anytime you have a history you know issues that just scares me that scares me away because the chances of him getting injured are really high yeah you know maybe if you have an extra pick or you're one of those teams that you know you're, you're already a really good team a playoff team maybe you take a chance on him but yeah i probably wouldn't i probably wouldn't select him that high maybe the end of the first round um you know, but but I guess you know Zion kind of scares me too a little oh, bit. A little you bit, know? yeah. Um, worst case scenario, you know, he's two hundred eighty-five pounds. You know, mm-hmm. if he gets injured, a knee, you know, or anything like that, his knees could go. The way he jumps and stuff like that, especially when you're talking going eighty-two games. Yeah, he's never had to do that before. Um, I know they're going to want him to cut a lot, not a lot of weight, but they're definitely going to want him to cut some weight mm-hmm. um, without actually sacrificing the way he plays. 
Um, but but you know he he relies so much on his athleticism. Zion, I'm, I'm trying, sorry to get away from the Bobo thing, but you know he's not a great shooter. Mm-hmm. If he loses that athleticism, maybe hurts a knee, you know, messes up a, an Achilles or something like that. That's that's kind of scary for a guy who plays the way he plays. Going back to Bobo though, like you said, guys with injury history scare me, especially in the NBA because some people just get hurt. Mm-hmm. Some people are built like machines, LeBron James, etc. But some people are just just hurt, and he might be one of those guys that get hurt. And when you talk about a foot with a big guy in the NBA, just nothing that nothing sounds good to me about that. He didn't make it what five games in a thirty-five game college season. He's just not going to make it through an eighty-two game professional mm-hmm. season. He's just not gonna. I think his talent is good enough. If he slips to the early twenties, I I absolutely I mean, he, jump on. I him. mean, yeah, he. he and it's possible that he will. Obviously, he's, he's unique in the way how tall he is. He's naturally good at, at defending and he blocking. He's 7'2". 7'2", and he can shoot. Mm-hmm. He has really good shooting touch. And I think he averaged like 20-something points a game in the Pac-10. Yeah. Pac, is it Pac-12 now? 12 now. Pac-12. Pac so, yeah. I mean, he, he has talent, but I'm just – injuries just scare me. I would like to see things pan out for him. The Celtics are picking at 22, and it's entirely possible he goes to them. And, boy, do they ever need some news to make them feel good Oh, right man. Now. You know, they, they acquired so many assets, the Celtics did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they're kind of in this situation like, what do we do with these? We have a lot of assets. We have we have three picks, but it's like, now what? You know what I mean? I think they're going to be – I think people are kind of obviously down on the Celtics, losing Kyrie, and now Horford's probably out the door. Um, but I still – you know, I really like that tandem of Jason uh, Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. Yep. I remember going to that Milwaukee game when, when Kyrie wasn't there. They just had Rozier and Smart, and those guys were the, were the guys – and they played really well together. And I, I think they can still be a good team in the Eastern Conference with those young guys. Now they just need – you know, they're going to need some help in the front court losing Horford. That is a huge – that's a huge loss. Yeah. Kyrie, okay, yeah, Kyrie's gone, but he was more trouble than mm-hmm. the, than he helped. Than he helped. So, you know, you had a guy like or maybe a Rozier that would stay. But Horford was that veteran, that leader. He could do it all, you know. He was a big body, could rebound, was a really good passer out of the post. That's going to hurt them a lot. When we come back, Space Jam 2 starting to become a little more clear. We're starting to see the big picture. Plus, I tell you what, Dana White is really reaching for this one. But something he said today made us wonder, if you had to fight anybody 31 years older than you, who would you pick? Our answer's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along. Space Jam 2 starting to take shape last night. They announced that... Several cast members have already been filled. Anthony Davis, that's kind of obvious now, after last week or so, he will be a part of it. How about Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, and Chris Paul? Yeah, this is pretty. I mean, pretty good cast. Obviously, LeBron friends with Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. I like Clay. Tom, you know, Clay Thompson is very entertaining to me. Um, one of the the best interviews, you know, by an NBA player. I think he gives the best interviews. Um, I still would like to see a guy like Joel Embiid in there. I wanted um, Russ. Russ. You know, when I think of the Monstars, you know, I think mm-hmm. of like Russ Westbrook. Yep. Perfect fit. Joel Embiid, perfect fit. Mm-hmm. The Claw, Kawhi the Leonard. Claw. The Claw, <laughs> just perfect fit. He didn't have to say much. All he has to do, he has one laugh. It's all you need from him, that whole movie. You can probably just dub that laugh in. 
and say that a character stole Kawhi's talent, right? And no one would ever know the difference. Yeah, um, you know, so guys like that, kind of guys just with big personalities. Obviously, Damian Lillard's a great player, um, kind of quiet. I don't know he, he, if he fits the role, but I'm, I'm really, I am really glad they're getting some WNBA players in there. Yeah, they've got um, Diana Taurasi, and then they've got Neka and Chine. Uh, Chine, I think. I, I don't know. I think Chine Aguamike. Aguamike. Aguamike, I think. Yeah. I so practiced good... that before the show. I did my best. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how they, you know, incorporate the the WNBA players. I always wondered, like, what's the storyline going to be? Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously, they're not. I don't think they're going to copy the exact movie of the first one, but mm-hmm. you know how they're going to kind of do do the do the, uh, the second one. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I don't think they've said every single player's name. I'm guessing that's because they don't have anyone who have as agreed. Yeah, whoever's the third superstar that they're able to bring uh, in, yeah. probably Kyrie or Jimmy Butler. Yeah, somebody, yeah, somebody like that. Uh, that's probably one of the the Lakers' pitches. Hey, get in here. You can win a title with LA. You know, be a part of another dynasty over here. Yeah, you get a spot in Space Jam too. Probably right? in the contract. Get your right. own IMDb page. If I'm LeBron. I have so much money. I have so many companies. I would just be like, all right. You know, get your contract, and and I'll add on top of that. You know, you can have a piece of this pie as well, so you'd be making even more money outside of basketball. Um, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, Space Jam Two, it, it it would be scary as a basketball player to be a part of that movie because it's such a cult following movie. They have a, to, get you know, it right. they have to get it right. You don't want to be on the cast of, of Space Jam Two where it just flops. It's mm. terrible. It's not even close, and then you're just roasted, and then basically your Hollywood acting career is over. That'd be even worse than being on last year's Lakers team. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it really it, would. It would be. I don't. I don't want my name uh, a part of a, a movie like that, and it be terrible. So I can see why some people are kind of scared to, to jump aboard that train. We are going to get to something Dana White said earlier today here in just a moment. But first, did you see what happened to Skip Bayless the other day? Formerly partners with Stephen A. Smith, our own Stephen A., who's on every afternoon from 1 to 3. Uh, Skip Bayless over on Fox Sports 1 fell for a fake tweet. Uh, do you follow a Twitter account called at Sports Talk Barry? I can't say his name because it's not really appropriate, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, but at Sports Talk Barry, I'll be honest, it's kind of black comedy, but it's sports-themed. I'm not proud of myself. In fact, I'm kind of ashamed of myself <laughs> that it gives me so many cheap laughs. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's sports satire. And one of his favorite things to do is change his profile picture. He's got a lot of followers. I'm happy to say that there was only one other person I know that you know followed him before he became big. I was number two, so I'm, I'm proud to have found him early. Uh, but he has a lot of followers by now, so people see him change his profile picture and his name to Adrian Wojnarowski or Adam Schefter, and he tweets these news stories. It's like a locker room access story, and people see this without checking the at name or if there's a verification, and they'll believe it. And he's gotten all these radio hosts to fall for it, uh, one in Minneapolis, one in Washington, D.C., and yesterday he got Skip Bayless with... A story. He sent out a tweet pretending to be Adrian Wojnarowski, saying that there is an unsa- uh, the relationship between Chris Paul and James Harden is unsalvageable because uh, they've been fighting for up to two years, and it started because Chris Paul made James Harden cry in practice because he made fun of his man boobs, and Skip <laughs> Bayless reported it no. on live air. What did, did he just reference the whole thing? Well, it's the thing. He made two journalistic mistakes. One, he didn't follow up, even look for a check mark or look at the at name. Two, 
He didn't give credit to who the tweet was from. He didn't even credit Woj, and it wasn't even Woj with the tweet. Yeah, you got to be careful. I, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, I didn't go on national TV and, and show the whole world that I have fallen for things like that. But mm-hmm. there has been times where for a few seconds, even maybe a few minutes, I even maybe have retweeted you know, some of these satire accounts that just try to trick people, mm-hmm. whether it be them just have like two letters of the name mixed up or something like that. Um, so I, I can't say I have never fallen for something like that. Like that. You know, sometimes you just see it and you're just like, <gasps> and you know, it's such big news. You just want to retweet it right away. But um, <laughs> that's pretty funny. I mean, I mean, yeah, that that that's gold right there. I follow the real Woj and the real Adam Schefter, and I think it's Sports Talk Barry. Whenever I see them, it's not the other way around. Yeah, he does get me sometimes. He changes when he changes his uh his picture to Trump more when he does President Trump. That gets me a lot more than any Woj or Schefter yeah. tweet. And he nails the way he talks, like because there's literally nobody who talks like him, not even his kids. He right. just <laughs> he nails the way he talks, and yeah. it's it's believable for a second. Uh, but I tell you what, that's. I get these cheap laughs from a guy who would not hesitate that if I ever fell for one of his tweets to put me on blast in front of his Twitter following. But yeah. yet, I hope I'm never that victim. I'm gonna have to follow him. Karma's probably gonna probably gonna get me. Too. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day, it's gonna get me. Uh, a few other news and notes before we get to something that Dana White said. Nikita Kucherov won the Hart Trophy as NHL MVP last night. We'll go over the NHL award results tomorrow with Ryan Stieg. David Ortiz, it was announced, was actually not the target of an assassination attempt back in the Dominican Republic on June 9th. I'm happy to hear that. I don't know why anyone would want to kill him. Uh, his status has been upgraded to good, so I'm happy to hear that. Uh, but still, I mean, it's terrible anytime someone, you know, tries to kill somebody. But, uh, you know, it was just wrong place, wrong time. I'm glad. Right. I, I guess if there's any uh, good feeling to come out of the story is that David Ortiz shouldn't be in fear of the, you know, hitman trying to get right. him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, David Ortiz should not be um, in fear. But whoever's walking around the Dominican, Dominican Republic looking like David Ortiz mm. better be better be a little bit fear. As a mistaken identity, I mean... Obviously, the, the, someone's looking like David Ortiz down there. Um, big dude, big dude. So someone, whoever, if I'm looking in the mirror and I'm looking like David Ortiz down, I'm like, uh oh. But glad to hear he's doing well. That was that was just such an odd story. You know, obviously we, it was just weird that someone would try to kill uh, a country's like hero. It just <laughs> didn't make any sense. Like I said, that would be like someone here trying to you know kill Michael Jordan. Like, not cool, dude. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Like, no. Um, so, yeah, that, I'm just glad he's doing well. Well, I tell you what, a few weeks ago, I should say last week, Justin Bieber said that he would fight Tom Cruise if given the chance. 25-year-old Justin Bieber challenged 56-year-old Tom Cruise to a fight. Dana White said, let's put this on. I'm interested in putting this on. And now Bieber's kind of changed his tune. He's of course. Kind of, <laughs> which Come is on, probably Bieber. the right thing to do. No, you go in there and you, you start swinging. <laughs> I want to I see mean, it. I, th- I think t- I would put my money on Cruz, though. I would, too. Mm. Absolutely, I would. I want to see Bieber and Cruz go at it, and Dana White is willing to at least explore putting it on. So my question for you, and I'll answer it myself, if you had to pick one celebrity 31 years older than yourself to challenge to a fight, who would it be? And I tell you what, here's a little discrepancy for me, because my answer could change very drastically here in a short period of time, uh, because I have a birthday coming up in 10 days, and the two age classes are advantageous to me, I guess, uh, depending when I answer this question. If I answer it now, and I fight my choice of 53-year-olds, I have a lot of guys I might have a shot against. Ben Stiller, 
uh, Rick Astley, uh, Patrick Dempsey, you know, McDreamy. You think I could yeah. match up with him? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Steve Kerr. I know he was a professional athlete, but he's kind of short. You know, I'm six three. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I don't know. I got long wingspan, left hook. Are these are these are these supposed to be people we think we can actually beat, or just who we would love to fight? Either one. Okay. I think I could beat a few of these guys in the fifty three age range, and then there's Bjork, the Icelandic singer. Uh, but then, if I answer this question ten days from now when I have a birthday and I have to fight my choice of fifty four year olds. There's not a lot of these guys that I think I could take. Keanu Reeves, Del Curry, Robert Downey Jr., Dr. Dre, and The Undertaker. I'm not winning any of those. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a list right there. I, I don't have a, as long as a, of a list. Um, I want to fight Denzel. Do you really? Yeah. So Do you want to lose? I'll, I'll probably lose. Samuel Jackson, I think it'd be hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Hilarious um, to fight him. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. I want to fight Joe Biden. <laughs> Does he do karate? I don't uh, Who knows? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Brian Cranston's there. Bruce Willis. I don't think you're winning any of those. I could be Brian Cranston. Come on. I, I don't know. I, he's tough. He, he's a tough dude. These guys, these guys are in their 60s. I, I'll, I, I would Floyd Mayweather them. I would just jump around and tire these guys I'd out. Floyd Mayweather. You know, I'd look pretty. I'd dance around them. You know, they'd be getting tired out. Come on now. Denzel would beat me. I found, I found a few in the 54-year-old range that I think I could take. Chris Rock, David Spade, and John Cryer, the non-cool brother from Two and a Half Men. Mm, mm. I don't know, man. <laughs> David Spade, you could probably beat David Spade. I think I could beat David. Chris Rock? I feel like I could take Chris yeah, Rock. Yeah, I don't think Chris... Yeah, probably. You could probably take Chris Rock. Yeah. yeah. Liam Neeson, he'd probably oh, man. whoop me. Nobody, nobody wants to fight him. No. You see, I'm a little bit older, so my guys are a little bit older. My guys are in the 60s. But, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I, like, going back to the Bieber thing. Mm-hmm. First of all, why, why Tom Cruise? I know, and why even say that? Was there something there? I, I have never heard of, of any any Out of Tom everybody you Bieber. could fight, yeah. you say Tom Cruise. I, I wonder if they're friends, uh, you know. Maybe it's because Tom Cruise is short and he thinks he could take him. Well, I guess. Bieber's not tall it, himself. I guess. Maybe he's coming, you know, Tom Cruise is, you know, one of those A-list celebrities. Yeah. Um, I can't believe Bieber's backing out. That looks so bad. Don't don't put out a tweet like that if you're you're gonna back out because you know someone's gonna run with that. And why say that unsolicited? Like, what's to gain from it? I don't know. Did and now Dana White wants to make it happen, and you're gonna back. He call, out? And even he tweets at Dana White to make it happen. Yeah. And, and you know Dana White, the being the businessman he is, mm-hmm. you know how many followers uh, Justin Bieber has? Hundreds of millions. Tom mm-hmm. Cruise right up there as well. Um, obviously, he's going to jump at the opportunity if both of them to say, even if it's not the greatest fight ever, people are going to tune into that. So, as if you're Justin Bieber, you know, if you're not willing to actually do it, don't even put it out there. We are out of time with that. A great way to end the show, by the yeah. way. Here in this, I still want to see it. Come on, Bieber. I do want to see it. Let's get it done. Uh, you could hear the NBA draft this evening coming up in about two hours. Our coverage will begin here on ESPN UP. We will uh, wait to see how this all plays out, and then we'll have that on tomorrow. We'll break it down for you, and we will take a look at some hockey because they have a draft coming up tomorrow night and their award ceremony last night as well. For Jake Durant, got anything going on at Local 3? Uh, not not a whole lot. It's kind of a slow period. Going to the Island Resort Championship mm. at Sweetgrass and Harris tomorrow. You know, the top... Uh, some top professional women golfers going to take the course, and they're really talented. It's going to be, I think, my third year covering the event, so I'm going to go bake out, hopefully, in the sun. Um, it's supposed to rain. Let's hope the rain holds mm-hmm. off, though. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for tuning in to Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Until tomorrow, here's Will Kane.